Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified retirement where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. I'm Eric Brotman, your host, and this is episode 14 of our first season and notably the very first episode of our second semester. So if we are in fact finishing our freshman year, we're gonna begin our second semester with a, a real rock star guest today uh, who's, who's prepared to put on a professor hat for us. Uh, our guest is Mark Lichtenfeld. Um, he is a best-selling author. Um, he is chief income strategist of the Oxford Club with an incredible bio. I'm going to let him introduce himself momentarily. His book is called Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for double-digit returns. And it, it came out in 2012 and has been very, very well received. And so, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. It's not every day that we get someone on the show who has uh, worked with uh, with everyone from U.S. News and World Report to CNBC to Jim Cramer. So uh, I know you have some stories, uh, and as long as you keep them PG, we can hear all of them. Um, but first, would you be willing to or comfortable sharing a little bit about your background and, and how you got to be uh, not only where you are professionally, but as an author and, and as we start looking to forward to retirement ourselves? Sure. So I came into the markets and the investment field in a pretty unconventional way. I did not go to school thinking this is what I wanted to do. In fact, I, I had great opportunities because my grandfather actually had a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. And when I, he, he died right after I graduated college. And of course, when I was in college, like I said, I had, I had no interest in the markets. Uh, it, was, it was just right after he died that I started getting interested in it. And uh, I, I kind of knocked around for a few years. I, I wanted to be an actor and wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And then in my late 20s, decided I was spending all my free time studying the markets. So I decided to make my hobby my career. And the problem was no one was looking for a 28-year-old with no experience to get involved in the markets. Uh, nobody's looking to hire that person. So I got very lucky and that I found uh, a company, a small trading firm in San Francisco where I was living at the time, and they needed a trading assistant. And I went in and hand, physically handed them my resume because it was, it was not too far from where I was living. And they looked at it and said, well, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll call you. And I could tell that they needed somebody right away because the traders were were you know shouting orders at, at the guy who was interviewing me uh, because at that time it, only one per there was only one terminal to actually enter orders so the, the traders couldn't do it themselves so i could tell they needed somebody i said i'll tell you what i know you need somebody let me stay here for the week i'll enter the orders i'll do it for free and if you don't think i did a good job on friday tell me not to come back on monday and that Friday afternoon, he said, okay, come back on Monday. And so that was the start of my career. Um, and from there, I was an analyst on the sell side. I was a journalist, uh, as mentioned, uh, with Jim Cramer's and street.com and uh, some other places. And I've been at the Oxford Club for 12 years now. 
So it's it's been uh, it's been a, a pretty wild ride from humble beginnings. I, I love that story. I love that. It, it, it reminds me it's sort of a cross of the Michael J. Fox secret of my success and the pursuit of happiness, which, <laughs> which is just great where you show up. Here's my resume. I'll work for free. Uh, I, I love that story. Well, let me ask, what, what did you study in, in undergraduate school? I was a communications major. Actually, I wanted to be a sportscaster when I was in college, and I, I did a lot of radio and, and uh broadcasting for minor league baseball team. And um, that's what I wanted to do. But then when I got out of school, I realized I didn't want to, I lived in uh, New York. Uh, my family was from New York and realized I really didn't want to, you know, start off in some small town and uh, not that there was anything wrong with small town, but it just, it, it wasn't for me. And especially knowing you'd only be there for a year or two, then have to move to another town and then another town and another town. Uh, and and once I kind of realized what the lifestyle was like for somebody who who wants to get into you know, broadcasting, uh, it, it, uh, it lost interest for me. So that's when I started doing some other things, including studying the markets, because I, I really started studying the markets on my own because I needed to make some money. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, like how can I take what little money I have and turn it into a little bit more money? Got it. Yeah, I can imagine that um, that riding the bus covering a single A baseball team would be a grind. <laughs> that would be uh, a yeah, story I, to tell I mean, for was, sure, was, but a grind. It was amazing when I was nineteen and twenty years old in college. But actually, what what really opened my eyes was uh, so I was doing color commentary, and the play by play broadcaster was in his forties, and he was fantastic. I mean, he was a a great broadcaster, and here he was, like you said, riding the buses. You know, he had a family back home in North Carolina that he, you know, he he saw a couple of times during the baseball season, and then after baseball, he would go back home and try to get a college basketball job. And you know, I, I quickly realized that the lifestyle was not for me. You know, you see, you see Bob Costas, and you see all the all the the big stars on TV, but that's not the reality for most people. Most people are really grinding it out. Yeah, well, and that that's true in almost any industry, um, for sure. sure. In fact, I was in, I, I studied English and psychology in undergraduate school and had no idea that I was going to get into the financial planning world. And now I've been at it for 25 years, and it's sort of hard to believe. But um, let, let's talk a little bit about this, this concept of retirement, not as a uh, a disappearing act, but as a graduation to the next stage of life. Um, as As we discussed, our definition of retirement isn't the absence of work, it's the absence of needing to work. Uh, and you've created a system which you've dubbed the 10-11-12 system, um, which is designed to create income. And your book, Get Rich with Dividends, uh, is compelling since rich sounds a lot like financial independence, which sounds a lot like the ability to retire gracefully and with dignity and into doing anything we want. So can we talk a little bit about your, uh, about your system? Sure, absolutely, and 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 just for the record, when especially at the Oxford Club, when we talk about rich, uh, obviously that that implies having a decent amount of money, but we're also talking about having a rich lifestyle, rich experiences. So it's not just about the number in your bank account; it's being able to do exactly what you were talking about about being able to live the life that you want to live. And so, for some people, that means five-star hotels and amazing restaurants and other people that might be in a cabin in the woods and then living pretty simply, but on their terms. So, so that's what rich means to us. Um, but as far as the system itself, 
the reason I call it the 10, 11, 12 system, it's designed to generate 11% yields within 10 years, or if you're currently reinvesting the dividends, 12% average annual total returns over 10 years. So you might not get 12%, you know, in year one, two, or three, but over 10 years, the average should come out to 12%. Uh, and we do it by investing in what I call perpetual dividend raisers. These are companies that have raised their dividends every year and should continue to raise them every single year. Uh, I know a lot of people are familiar with dividend aristocrats. Those are S&P 500 companies that have raised their dividends for 25 years in a row or more. And we certainly love the dividend aristocrats, but not all of them have yields that are high enough right now, even though they've been raising the dividends forever. There's some companies that have been raising them for 50, 60 years, but their current yield is actually too low to achieve the goals of the 10, 11, 12 system. So we do look at companies that have shorter dividend raising track records. Uh, you know, we'll look at a company that's 15 years, 10 years, even five years in, in some cases, if we think there's a long runway for their cash flow to grow. And basically, if, if you're investing in these companies and they're boosting the dividend every year, it's it's kind of like stepping on the gas of the compounding machine because you're not only keeping up with inflation, you're you're staying ahead of inflation and you're generating more and more income every single year. And that's that's the goal. Got it. Let's let's talk a little bit about taxes um, only because, uh, you, you know, dividends, some of them are more favorably taxed than others. Um, and of course, you have the IRAs and the other ways to do tax deferred. I presume tax deferred uh, investing in this system as well. But um, how much of a bite do, do taxes take out of current dividend income when you're looking at that as a as a strategy? And and does that um, does that just makes your hurdle rate higher? I presume it does. But the tax rate currently on dividends is you know lower than on ordinary income tax. Uh, ordinary income rate, so you know, versus a bond, let's say, where you're you're generating interest, uh, you're going to pay your ordinary income uh, tax rate. Uh, so it's going to be significantly higher. Right now, dividends are taxed for most investors at 15% for the highest income investors. At uh, when you include uh, some of the some of the other taxes, toward about 23.8%. That, that is federal. So uh, it does take a bite, but it's certainly lower than some other investments. And as you mentioned, you can also hold them in tax-deferred accounts, which will put off your taxes. And there are also some stocks like uh, MLPs and and different partnerships that are uh, very tax-efficient, where you won't pay tax on the dividends in the years that you receive them. You'll eventually it'll eventually increase your capital gains when you sell the stock. But if you're investing for the long term, and, and this is really what the strategy is about, it's, it's, you know, we're not, we're not jumping into a stock hoping to make four five, 6% this year in income and sell it the next year. These, these are very long-term strategies. So if you have some of these MLPs or other partnerships where you're getting this uh, dividend, dividend income tax deferred for years, it can really, uh, it can really add up and, and make a big difference. Sure. Um, we, we talk a lot about asset segregation, the idea that not all accounts are treated equally and that certain accounts that are going to be for income in the short run need to be thought of very, very differently than the accounts you plan not to touch for 10 plus years or, or more. Um, so you see this as the long-term bucket in that, in that equation, correct? 
Absolutely. Yeah, these are, are companies that we want to hold for 10 years uh, if we can. I mean, obviously, some you know, not every stock that you pick is going to work out perfectly. Uh, so you have to be able to, to cut your losses or, or make some changes. But the idea going in is that we want to hold these stocks for a long time because we want to let those dividends grow uh, as these companies continue to raise the dividend. You know, you, you could buy a stock today, let's say, with a 4% yield, and if they raise their dividend every single year for a number of years, you know, it doesn't take that long to your earning seven, eight, nine percent on your money just in the dividend. That has nothing to do with the, the price appreciation. Got it. Got it. Now, in addition to this book, and, and I love the way you define rich because um, the, the book that I published in 2014 called Retire Wealthy was designed to be a play on words also because uh, first it defined retirement not as the absence of work, but it also defined wealthy in a very different way. I, I, I like to quote great philosophers, and one of the great philosophers is um, Chris Rock, who once said that if, uh, if Bill Gates woke up tomorrow with Oprah's net worth, he'd want to jump out the window. So wealth is relative. <laughs> I just think, I, like I just that. thought that was so, that was so beautifully said, um, and, and it's so true that um, wealth is relative. To some people, wealth is a yacht in the Mediterranean, and to others, it's working one job instead of two, and, uh, um, and it's okay. I mean, as long as you're moving in the right direction and feeling good about it. So now you also wrote another book, which, I, I, and I love the title, and, I, and I, I, it's, it's called You Don't Have to Drive an Uber in Retirement. Um, and there are, I, I take a lot of Ubers, and there are quite a few drivers who uh, either have made this their full-time gig or who are moonlighting. And I thought only millennials had side hustles, but now uh, boomers have side hustles as Uber drivers. Tell us a little more about that book. Sure. So, so the idea is that, uh, kind of like what you were saying, that it, retirement isn't necessarily the absence of work, it's the absence of needing to work. So this book is really designed to, to tackle that exact problem. So if you want to work, great. If you want if you want to drive an Uber, great. Actually, there is a chapter in the book about how to do that successfully. But the idea is that I'm, I'm hoping that people who read the book won't have to drive an Uber, won't have to be a Walmart greeter. Uh, there's uh, an example in the book of a gentleman, and, and, and this had been published, I believe, in the Wall Street Journal. He'd been a, a very successful marketing executive, earning six figures. He put his kids through school. He had a nice house, and he just never saved for retirement. And at 70-something years old, he was flipping burgers at a golf course, uh, like a municipal golf course. And it was a, it was a really, really sad uh, story. And there are so many people out there that I'm sure you've heard the statistics that don't have, you know, $400 to cover an emergency. And so this is really designed for people to start building up some income, find ways to start saving money on everyday costs, but without altering your lifestyle. You know, nobody, nobody wants to make those, those huge sacrifices. This isn't about not having your, your latte in the morning. Uh, this is about ways of getting the latte a little bit cheaper or about ways of generating income so you don't even have to think about a cheaper latte. Uh, so it, Mark, it's really Mark, about Mark, that. Did you just, about. I'm sorry, forgive me. Did you just refer to not getting your latte in the morning as one of the major sacrifices? For some people, that would be. Okay, so, fair enough. Uh, I, I I was saying that tongue in cheek because that sounds like a small sacrifice to me. Although you know, I drink the boring coffee. What do I know? 
Right. But, for, you know, for some people, uh, that, that would be a big deal. You know, I, I think the, the problem is we, a lot of people don't want to make those, those sacrifices. And, and we've heard those stories, you know, so the latte, let's say a latte, I don't drink lattes either. So I, I guess they're four or five bucks, but four or five bucks every single day adds up, you know, uh, to a bit of money at the end of the year. Uh, and, but no, people don't want to make those, those kinds of sacrifices. They don't want to give anything up. So this is a way of, of still enjoying your lifestyle. I'm not saying don't go out to dinner. I'm saying go out to dinner and here's a way you can get some money off the bill. So it's, it's really about that and living the lifestyle you choose, but, but a little bit cheaper and generating some more income so that you can, you can make the choices and, and live the way you want to in retirement. Got it. I, I like that philosophy. We actually refer to the, the word budget as a dirty word. Because frankly, for a company, budgeting is one thing. But for a household, budgeting is not only painful; it's it's uh, it's fruitless because you can't stick to it, um, not not well. So we don't encourage our folks to budget. What we do encourage folks to do is to pay themselves first. So this whole idea that right. whatever you're bringing home, whether your savings rate needs to be ten percent or fifteen or thirty, whatever it is that you've made sure you've made those contributions to all the various things you need to first. And then how you spend the rest of it is totally up to you. You know, I, if, if you want to eat ramen noodles six nights a week so you can go to Ruth's Chris one night as opposed to, to buying groceries in some other way, that I don't care. I, I you know, I, I kind of feel like it's it, that's a personal decision. But this whole idea that you can that you can uh, stick to a budget as a household is it's so tough. And married couples fight about two things more than anything. They fight about kids and money. And and I, I can't help them with the kids department, but with the money department, the best way best way not to fight about money is to to try and make it a non-issue as best you can, um, and that's that's not always an easy thing to do. Oh, absolutely, it, and especially if you have a couple where each person has a different philosophy, that can be very difficult. Where one person's a saver and one's a spender. So, you know, as you were saying, a budget will be very, very difficult to stick to in that situation. Really, I, I think it only works if you have two people who are very, very, uh, very in line with each other as far as saving and investing and, and not spending a whole lot of money. Uh, but you're, you're right, budgets are very tough. And, and also, life throws curveballs at you. So you can have the greatest budget in the world, and then suddenly... Uh, you know, you run over a nail or, you know, all kinds of things happen where suddenly you have to, you have to spend a bunch of money you weren't planning on. So uh, I, I agree with your philosophy, pay yourself first, build up a cushion and then, uh, you know, kind of live your life. Let's, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I told you you'd be a professor and, and we're going to get you uh, the opportunity to do that. But now I need you to be a soothsayer first. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to predict anything in the markets ever, because frankly, I, I, I just don't believe that's anything but a fool's errand. But I am curious. I, agree. Um, I, I am curious what you think about um, how long we're going to enjoy a step up in basis in our tax code. Um, and, you know, I, I, I worry that it's low hanging fruit to take that away. Um, and that at some point we may see an administration uh, impact that. There are, there are proposals on the table now that would eliminate the stretch IRA um, and create either a seven-year or a 10-year pull on the IRA. So do you think we're going to keep our step-ups, or you think they, they could be either limited or, or uh, eliminated at some point? Uh, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it would be 
so uh, such a mistake politically to do anything that hurts uh, people's IRAs, hurts their incentives to save anything like that. It would, would be such a mistake, and not only politically but practically too, because we do have a saving and investing problem in this country where, frankly, you know, I'm not breaking any news here, people are not saving enough and investing enough. So to do anything to curb that, I think, would be such a, a huge mistake and, and they would be ripped to shreds. That being said, obviously, we have huge deficits. The country needs tax revenue. So I, I would hope they would find other avenues uh, rather than, than doing anything that would that would uh, take away incentives to save for the future and, and, you know, and investing for retirement IRAs and 401ks and anything like that. So I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe say cautiously optimistic that they won't mess with that too much, but I don't know if it needs <laughs> to be too, no, I, too optimistic. I cautiously optimistic is a, is a good way to frame it. Um, actually all of the proposals that I've seen show, um, greater incentives, um, to save in IRAs and 401ks while you're working. And in fact, even, uh, making the age where required distributions, uh, begin a little bit later, all of which are fantastic for, for retirement savers, but all of the plans are yep. also punitive to, to heirs. So it, it seems to me they're trying to, to, to convince folks to do what's right and to save money and to take care of themselves. Uh, but before anything rolls downhill to their kids, uh, there could be quite a haircut. Right. And that's why I asked about that particular piece. Gotcha. And yeah, and, and I think in today's political climate, it's, it's going to be a little difficult to, uh, to make the, the general population feel sorry for, uh, for the heirs who are inheriting large sums of money. Uh, that being said, you know, we, like you said, we did have a, a big increase in, uh, in the, the, the step up basis. And, uh, that I would not be surprised to see rolled back at some point, especially if we if we end up with uh, a Democrat in the White House and, and a Democrat-controlled uh, Congress. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, as, as far as you're right about uh, increasing the R&D, uh, I've written a lot quite about this, uh, this recent bill that passed the House. There, there's some aspects I, I'm not in favor of at all. But uh, as far as increasing the uh, age of RMD, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm very happy to see that. And I'd, I'd like to see it. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see it eliminated. That, that'll never happen. But I'd like to see it increase maybe some more. Oh, the RMD will never be taken away because the government wants their money. Um, they're not going to give you a free lunch forever. Although it does create new strategies around Roth IRAs and you know, we, we one of the things that I that I published some time ago was a was a, a book um, with four strategies, four places where you can put money where it's never taxed again uh, legally in the United States, and um, it's at lowtaxbook.com. And I'm curious um, how many this oh boy I'm going to put you on the spot. How many of these can you name? Four places where almost every American can put money where it will never be taxed again. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I would assume uh, there's some insurance in there. Um, uh, whole life insurance is one of the four, yep. A Roth. Correct. Roth IRAs uh, and Roth 401ks. Uh, that's two. That's pretty good. Very few people get two. Okay. The last um, two, I'll give you a so. hint to make your life easier. The last two have strings attached. 
They have to be used for certain purposes to be fully tax-free. Okay, so like a, a 529 and uh, an HSA. There they are. You nailed all four. Okay. Mark, you, got, you, you have graduated with honors from our show. And, uh, <laughs> and the diploma's in the mail, complete with smiley face and gold star. <laughs> so, I'll be looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't want one of those? So, so, so as I mentioned to you, this is, this is the school theme, and we want to make sure that we have, a, uh, that we have an extra credit assignment because um, other than the obvious assignment, which is to read your books because they, they look terrific, and I, I confess I've not read them, but I, I, I do intend to pick one up. They, they sound terrific. Um, in terms of uh, an extra credit assignment where our listeners can do one thing, just one thing that will get them closer to that financial independence line, that dignified retirement line. What would that look like? What would that, that assignment be, Professor? I would say try to get an understanding of what your, your needs are going to be in retirement as far as uh, your spending. And that way you have a goal and then you can start building towards that goal. So, you know, some things are, are easy to figure out if you know what your mortgage is or, you know, that you don't have a mortgage. Uh, things like that are easy. Um, health care is, is a little harder. You know, if you're healthier, hopefully your health care costs will be lower. Um, but we do know that health care is going to cost the average uh, 65-year-old couple today uh, over a quarter million dollars in their lifetime. So, you know, that's a number I think you want to plug in. Uh, and so I, I think having, you know, knowing what what those needs are going to be kind of helps you plan. If you, if you sit down with a, a financial planner, if you're doing it on your own, you can at least start to get an understanding of, of where you need to get to. I think that's that's a great extra credit assignment. That sounds almost like the the tongue in cheek. What's your number? In other words, what's what's it going to take uh-huh, to exactly. to live to live. Um, where you can't outlive your money, where certainly you shouldn't outlive your money based on reasonable variables. Uh, and, and taking that inventory is a great first step. So I, I think you have, uh, I think you've nailed it. And like I said, you, you, you are, I believe you're the first guest to ever get all four of these, which means you've, ever, you've either already read my book, for which I thank you, or it, <laughs> it, was, uh, or it was really intuitive, maybe both. Um, so how can folks reach you if they want to, if they want to read your, obviously read your books, if they want to read your, your, your blogs or your other, uh, your other commentaries, what's the best place for folks to, to, to reach you or get in touch? Sure. So the, the books are available on Amazon, uh, you know, barnesandnoble.com, any, anywhere books are sold pretty much. And, um, you can read our free website is wealthyretirement.com. And I write a lot about uh, dividend stocks, uh, investing, income investing, and uh, some other people are on the site too that, that write some really excellent pieces on bonds and other styles of investing. So wealthyretirement.com would be the best, best place to, to read me and reach me. That's great. I, and I, I can put in a plug for wealthyretirement.com. I, I, I uh, played around with it a little bit. And there's a whole series of two-minute retirement ideas. Which is so yeah. in, in today's world where three minutes sounds too long, 
um, you know, to, to have those kinds of <laughs> suggestions, I think is great. It's um, we have no attention span as adult people in in the social media world. We 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 triple click before we can double click sometimes, and and so uh, I would say there's a there's a wealth of information, no pun intended, on that website, and I, I recommend folks go to it. So. Uh, Mark, you've been an, a, a fantastic guest. I, I wish you incredible continued success with your publishing, uh, with your with your website, with your career. And uh, I, I thank you for being a member on our show. For all our guests out there, um, don't forget, don't retire, graduate. Until next time, this is Eric Brotman. From this day forward, let us make each decision with our best interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, don'tretiregraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.